morning, Life Church. How are you? Thank you, uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Michelle, for allowing me the platform this morning. A great uh, privilege and honour, which I never take for granted, the opportunity to be able to share the Word of God. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, if you could have your iPads, have your devices, if you could open up to Revelation chapter 2. So these past few weeks at our church, God has been so good to us, hasn't he? He's always amazing and never ceases to amaze me how good he is to us. So for a few minutes this morning, I want to keep in line with the theme that Pastor Mark launched into with our church early this year in March, and that is this time next year. This time next year. And the message that God has laid in my heart today is from Revelation chapter 2. As a brief overview on the passage we are about to read, Jesus is addressing the seven churches. Even though he is addressing the existing churches of the first century, as we are the seven churches that he is talking about, as he travels through history to the 21st century, he could be talking about our churches. He could be talking about the same issues. He sees the church in Ephesus And I don't believe that this is any coincidence, this is any mistake, because it's a a church that is very similar to us. It's a church that uh, has a lot going for it, but it also has some pitfalls as well. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 says these words, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. I know your works, your labour, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Pretty strong words. And you have persevered and have patience and have laboured for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, fallen, repent, which literally means to change one's mind and to return back to God. And do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give to him from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let's pray this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word this morning. We've prepared, Father. Lord, we've uh, done what we've had to do, Lord. 
we ask, Father, that you would just take this word now and that you would just uh, speak to people's hearts, that you would touch people's lives this morning, that you would just uh, reignite, Father, that first love this morning in Jesus' name. How would you like to be a member of this church? By all accounts, if you were searching for a church, you'd attend this church. Works, labour, patience, yes, that's all good. They can't stand evil. They have a level of holiness. Yeah, that's great. Sounds like a great church to join. Wouldn't you agree? This is what Jesus is doing. He is giving this church an A-grade report. Jesus gives a, a lesson in leadership 101. He, he first encourages the church in Ephesus. If there is a need to ever bring correction, you always start off with the encouragement. When my wife sits me down and says, Now, Mick, I want to let you know about this, and I want to let you know about, you're doing a great job here. But when she gets to the but, I know that I need correction, that I need just a little bit of an attitude adjustment. So Jesus gives us a lesson in 101 leadership. He says, I've seen your works, I've seen your labour, I've seen your patience, a big tick. I can't stand those who are, e who are evil, and neither can you, a big tick. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. A big tick. You have persevered. A big tick. You have, you have not become weary. A big tick. But then he stops and makes this powerful statement. But I have this one thing. That but. But I have this one thing. You have lost your first love. When I think about first love... I'm taken back to 1990 when this young lady walks into our church in Alice Springs and I'm playing the drums and our eyes lock. Our eyes lock. And I do an extra fill just to impress this young lady. Just that extra bit of a fill to impress this young lady. The initial friendship that I had with Kathy, those uh, outings that we would have where I would I'd, I'd chase her up to the ward. She'd chase me around the hospital with her cherry ripes. She would seek me out. She'd take the longest way around just to find me. I'd go up to the ward and uh, I'd uh, just try and see where she was. And there was this lovely indigenous lady who gave us skin names. Mine was Jungarai, which was a great honour, by the way. And Kathy was Nungala. And I'd pass this beautiful indigenous lady and say, Hey, Jungarai, Nungala went that way. <laughs> we had to spend hours on the phone. Back those days, it was a dinosaur bone that was on the wall attached to a cord. That's for you young people, by the way. And you couldn't move it. So there was no such thing as separation anxiety. With, that you get with your mobile phones. And we'd spend hours on this, this bone attached to a wall that you couldn't move. And I was living with six other guys, so there was no privacy. I couldn't sneak away. 
I was just attached to the wall with this, this dinosaur bone. We spent hours chatting with each other. Isn't that just like Jesus when we first fall in love with him? When we fall in love with him, when we, we, he touches our hearts, we want to just spend hours with him. Do you remember when you first became a Christian and felt the overwhelming love of Jesus and in return you were overwhelmingly in love with him? What did it look like? We just wanted to be in church. We just wanted to be in prayer. We wanted that praise. We wanted to worship. No matter where we were, at church or home, we just wanted to sing love songs to him. We, just, we, we loved church. We loved sharing about him. You know, I just couldn't be quiet about him. I just wanted to speak about him and tell other people what he had done for me. But as time goes by... Our love begins to grow a little cold. We are still in love with him, but we don't yearn for those moments to be with him as much as, our, as we were first, at first. Our love begins to diminish a little. We still love Jesus, but other things start to take priority. Over the years, I've seen many people that I've been, I was saved with, they've fallen away. They've fallen by the wayside. And I ask myself the question, if it can happen to them, it can also happen to me. If it can happen to them, it could happen to any one of us. Other things start to take priority. It just isn't important anymore. First up, I want to examine and ask myself and ask you as well, is this the final chapter of our lives? As I approach 60, I am starting to reevaluate life. I'm starting to look at my finances and preparation for retirement. I'm looking at decisions made previously and decisions that I want to make in the future. I'm, uh, I'm starting to look back. What have I achieved for God and what do I want to achieve in the future? Do I hit 60 and it's all over? Do I hit 60 and then I just kick back and, and just relax and just coast in my love for Jesus? These are all good goals. But there is one more important thing I want, and that is to make a checklist of how much I still love Jesus. I want to reach the end of my life and still be in love with Jesus as much as the day I was saved. For this to happen, there are a couple of things I must make sure I handle well as I travel through life. To end my life well, loving Jesus as strong as the first day I met him, I, we must not, we must not, we must not allow the disappointments of life to affect our love for Jesus. Disappointments will happen. How I handle disappointments will determine how I keep my end appointment. The, the Bible is very clear when it comes to disappointment. They will happen in life, such as disappointments through delay. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. 
in the delays of life, the heart can become sick and we can become disappointed with God. In those delays and, 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 and in the, the time plan that we have, the, 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 where we think we should be going, where we should be and the, the, the time that we should be there and, and could be totally different from God. But we can become quite bitter towards God. But God has his timings. I have prophecies over my life that I feel like I've still seen fulfilled. You know, I remember one prophecy you know, I got as a young Christian how, how I was compared to David's, one of David's three mighty men, Eliezer, and, and, I, and everyone laughed at this, the son of Dodo. You know, how I defend the field, how I was a great warrior, a great mighty man, and I would stand there and defend the field. Now, I believe I've probably seen that to some degree. You know, I've, I've had these prophecies where I think in the context of getting those prophecies, I, I was, was seeing some of those fulfilled in my life, but I really haven't seen the total fulfillment of them. But I still don't believe God has finished with me. And that's no reason for me to fall out of love with him, that he's still in control of my life. He's still in control of my destiny and the destiny of my family. And I look back at the life of Moses, increments of 40 years. 40 years he's, he's driven into a place of wilderness after he, he was uh, spoken by his own people in, 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 in Israel, that they, you know, he kills an Egyptian when, when he's mistreating an Israelite, and then he goes back the next day and, and tries to break up two Israelites uh, that were fighting. But then he's scared by that and runs into the desert for 40 years. Had God finished with him? After 40 years, God spoke to him and said, this is what I want you to do. Go back to Pharaoh and see my people released. Go back to Pharaoh and lead my people out. And 40 years, he spends in the desert again, leading a bunch of people that have got a few issues, to say the least. But he reaches the end of his life, and he goes to Mount Nebo, and he dies there, but he had achieved everything that God had appointed for, for him to do, achieve in this earth. With the disappointments of life, what may appear to be God's no may be his not yet. When this happens, our love can grow cold. Ecclesians 3.1 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. In life, there are seasons. Seasons are God's design. If a cereal farmer was to sow his crop in the middle of summer, it would be disastrous. Sometimes uh, we go through seasons of life. If God was to do something in a particular season when it's a time of just sowing and building, it may not be time for that harvest. We may be trying to do it ourselves. But God has a season for our lives. To help us to end well and maintain our first love right through to the end, the first thing we must do is overcome our disappointments. Today I 
can I encourage you, if you find yourself right in the middle of dealing with disappointment, can I encourage you to take your disappointment and turn it into an appointment with Jesus. Meet with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Take your pain and thoughts to him in prayer. Pour it out. Release it. Remember what Pastor Mark shared once, revealing your feelings as the beginning of healing. Allow God to speak to you. Make adjustments to your life if you have to. Get up and move on, knowing God is still with you no matter what. The second thing to help me keep on track is I need to ask myself this question. Am I a human doing or am I a human being? As a disclaimer, I'm not reducing the significance of service, but relationship is always the nucleus of our service. The night before Kathy and I got married, my young fiancé and I had asked this guy from church to do some graphics for us. And we went around there, we were tired, we were weary as you are when you're organising a wedding. And for some reason, I got annoyed with this guy. And it wasn't what I was saying. It wasn't what I said, but it was what I wasn't saying. It was the attitude, the stinky attitude that I had that my fiancé picked up on. Well, the butts came out. How good I am here and there, there. I appreciate you doing all this and doing that. But your attitude was really off, Mick. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have held him in such disdain. It was disgraceful, Mick. You need to pick up your game. You need to do something about your stinky attitude. Well, that was it. I tried to justify, justify myself. I was how good a Christian. I mean, this, God, this guy wasn't as good as me. I pray more. I, um, I've got the stripes. I've got the rankings here. I've got uh, you know, three rankings. I've you know, killed this Christian brother off with a few verbals. I've left him behind to die. I've, uh, but you know, I'm also, I'm, you know how involved I am in the church? You know how involved I am and what I do in church? I do so much more than him. I'm a better Christian. But then that was no excuse. She started to tell me what I had to change. And this is the night before I got married. You know, I was lucky not to be left there that night and... and, and and end up sort of wandering around, wondering where my wife, my future wife had got to. So my attitude had to change. Don't be caught up with the functionality as opposed to relationality. Don't get caught in the trap of being functional at the expense of relationships. It's interesting in the New Living Translation of verse 4 of chapter 2 of Revelation, it says these words, 
rather than a singular, it's a plural. It says, but I have this plan against you, Jesus says. You don't love me or each other. You don't love me or each other. You can't separate the two. You can't separate the love of people and the love of God. They're joined together and they can't be separated. First John 4 verse 7 says, Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour out from you to one another because God is love. Anyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences the intimate knowledge of him. The first love of Jesus will always be people. And as we connect our first love, we love what Jesus loves. We love the people that he loves. I remember some years ago sitting in a, a leadership seminar with retired Brigadier General Jim Wallace, who was head of SAS. And he posed the question to us, what is leadership? And we got a whole lot of answers that were not necessarily wrong. But then he comes back with this answer, leadership is 100% people. 100% people. And that's what Jesus is, 100% people. I had a conversation with my wife yesterday, and she says, all you have to do is appeal to people's humanity. She told me the story about uh, how she had a meeting at uh, the aged care facility that she's looking after at the moment with the staff, and they're all sitting around sort of with their masks on, and, and, and you couldn't really see much expression. So she says, okay, what's the first standard in aged care? What's the overarching standard? Everyone goes quiet, and then someone just sort of, the, the really brave one says, respect. And she says, that's right. But you, we've got to change our language. Instead of saying, room 22 needs the toilet, and everyone bursts out laughing because that was a random number that she pulled out the air, room 22, because room 22 always does want the toilet. But she says, you change your language. You say, Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Smith wants the toilet. You, make, you, 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 you appeal to the human nature. You make, them, you make them a human being. And that's what Jesus is all about, people, this morning. So function can never be at the expense of personal relationship with Jesus. Revelation chapter 2 Verses 2 and 4 says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring, enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You've abandoned the love you had at first. From our being comes our doing. We're not human 
doings with human beings. As you spend time in the presence of Jesus, from that comes a kindling and a rekindling to service. Out of that, out of our relationship with Jesus, comes our desire to serve. In 1996, I went through a particularly bad burnout. I, I, we were pretty involved in our church. We were serving, you know, you know, 24 hours if we could. We were sort of, it was a bit of a golden age for us. We were doing lots of stuff and we were sort of earmarked to, to go out and, you know, perhaps pioneer a church. Our church had been pioneered uh, from scratch and that our pastor went on to pioneer another church in Fiji and we were sending, we were sending couples out to, to pioneer churches. Oh, Kathy and I also had this opportunity to pioneer a, a satellite church within Alice Springs and it was great. We were preaching once a week and, uh, you know, when the pastor were hit, our pastor was sort of rising up through the ra- national ranks because he was, you know, what we would call, what we would call success. You know, he was a church planter. But then one day, everything just hit the wall. I went silent. I couldn't talk. Kathy became frustrated with me because I wouldn't talk. But we discovered that I'd had a severe burnout. So we had to leave up Sticks, Alice Springs. We went to the UK for a few months to try and um, recuperate. And the only thing I really had was as we were staying in Kathy's mum and dad's house, as I would go downstairs every morning about 6 o'clock and I'd turn the central heating on. This is January, February. And... I would just pray. I would kneel down and just bury my head into the couch. And that's all I had. I have, everything, was else, everything else was taken from me, but all I had was my relationship. All the function was taken from me, but all I had at that point was my relationship with Jesus. Some mornings I'd take my little baby daughter in a bouncer net and, and she'd be next to me as I prayed. You know, she'd let out these little squills of delight, and I think it was just, she was just acknowledging Jesus. But all I had was my relationship. All function was taken from me, and Jesus brought me back to basics of relationship with him. And as I started to pray, as I started to spend time with him, he started to again open up opportunities of service but in a more balanced format where it wasn't at the expense of relationship with him. So to help us end well and maintain our first love right through to the end, the first thing I must learn is to handle disappointment. Second is I'm a human being, not a human doing. And finally, as the keyboard player comes, thank you, Mike, to make sure I am living in the place of first love with Jesus, I must ask myself, am I rediscovering my first love? If so, how can I do that? Am I taking steps to discovery 
of my first love? If so, am I actually doing this? That's the question I need to ask. Am I actually doing this? How is this reflected in my, in my timekeeping? Am I setting time aside for Jesus in my daily, weekly schedule? To know Jesus is to love him. 1 John 4, 8 says, this one who do, this, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. To know him is to love him. In 1990, I had the great privilege of meeting Catherine Turpin. Has anyone heard of Catherine Turpin? Incredible, incredible lady of God. Amazing lady of God. As I got to know her, I discovered that she was just an incredible person, Catherine Turpin, that she had this love of Jesus and that she just, it's all she wanted in life, just to love Jesus, love people. As I got to know her even more, just like Jesus, as I got to know him even more, I started to love her as I loved Jesus, as I got to know him. I got to know all the idiosyncrasies of Catherine Turpin. I, get, I got to know the idiosyncrasies of Jesus as well, as I got to know him. I remember this Catherine Turpin lady. We left church one Sunday night and we went to KFC. And I discovered that she might have been a bit angry. But then I had to reevaluate and think, this might be just her. Because as she's eating, I'm thinking, she's really cranky with me for some reason. There's food going everywhere. There's food falling down on the floor. And I want to tell you that Catherine Turpin has not changed one bit. Catherine Smith as she became, is still the same. Sunday lunch, there's gravy all over the ceiling. There's peas dropping off the plate onto the floor. She's peeing everywhere on the floor. But you know what? I know her. I know her idiosyncrasies. I know how she functions. I know she's a a slop when she eats. But I still love her. The more I know her, the more I fall in love with her. And the more we know Jesus and what he does for us, the more we know his idiosyncrasies, his love, the more we fall in love with him. The more we know him, the more we fall in love with him. As we remain in each other's company, we began to know each other more intimately. We began to know each other a lot more. And as we become, we continue to remain with Jesus, we begin to understand him so much more. So today, remain in him. John 15, 4 says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine 
And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I think there's a principle there. It's hard to be, it's hard to be fruitful unless you remain in Jesus. And unless you remain in the vine, which is Jesus. It's in the place of remaining in him where we maintain, maintain our first love. That which is apart will drift even further apart. If we neglect to main, main, remain in Jesus, we'll drift apart. So this morning, if I can encourage you, remain in him so you grow together. Remain in the vine so you can be fruitful. Put simply, it is spent spending time with Jesus. It is spending time with him. Revelation 2.7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's a bit hard to, to hear your partner if you're not with them. It's a bit hard to hear Jesus. Have an ear to hear him if you're not with him, if you're not remaining in him. This morning as I finish, the ancient Greeks had a relay that they called the torch race. The idea of the torch race in the ancient Olympics was not to be the winner of that torch race, but to finish that race with your torch still lit. And this morning, that's the way Jesus wants us to finish. He wants us to finish that, our race of life with the light still burning. As we reach the end, it's not a, not a race, but a marathon. We'll have ups and downs, bumps along the way. The, there will be storms that come along that try to blow that light out, that flame out. But Jesus wants us to finish well. He wants us to finish that race with our light still burning. He wants us to finish as we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. He wants us to finish with our light burning. So this morning, this time next year, as we declared in March, will your relationship with Jesus still be burning? Will it be, will you still be in love with him as much as the day you were saved? In this prayer box, we have many requests for marriages, for offspring to come back to know Jesus, life issues, employment situations to turn around this time next year. And I'm going to declare before you this morning that this time next year, I want to be in love with Jesus even more than I was when I first got saved, even more today. This time next year, I want to be in love with Jesus, just madly in love with him. I want to have that uh, relationship with him that I had 
And the first time I met him, this time next year, we declare that we will love Jesus even more. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace. We thank you, Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his goodness. We just want to be in love with him more and more and more. We don't want to lose that first love. In Jesus' name, amen.